got on a bus that night, 18 hours from Ohio to New York. And I run into the internship interview <laughs> and I'm like, I know I have to confess, I didn't just come off a subway, but I just wanted you to know how excited and serious I am about this opportunity. The hiring manager looked at me so strangely. She's like, you know, this is unpaid. We could have done this via Skype. <laughs> I, 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 I. Welcome to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores exceptional career success stories, inspiring and insightful personal brand journeys that answer the question, are you coffee or are you Starbucks? Fascinating conversations with leaders about their career breakthroughs from entertainment, tech, media, and more. You'll learn how they've turned up the volume on their brand to unlock success. Firsthand, uncensored, and real, as told by people who've been there and plenty of inspiration and practical tools to help you lead with your brand every day as you drive towards your next career breakthrough. And now, here's your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Hey everybody, Jason Patria here, and you are listening to the Lead With Your Brand podcast, which is the podcast for folks just like you who are looking to turn up the volume, show your value, and lead with your brand to your next career breakthrough. Well, it is the end of September, which means it is Hispanic Heritage Month, and I am proud to amplify the voices of leaders and executives that identify as Latinx. We are showcasing some of our favorite episodes that spotlight Latinx voices at leadwithyourbrand.com slash Latinx. Hear from some of my favorite folks like Perez Hilton, the original influencer, Jackie Hernandez, the founder and CEO of New Majority Ready, and Luis Vega, the president of Dow North America. Plus, tune in each week to hear a brand new episode with a Latinx leader. Today, I'm thrilled to kick off our 2022 Hispanic Heritage Month season with Daniela Pierre Bravo, a reporter from MSNBC's Morning Joe and best-selling author. But before we get to Daniela, let's talk a little bit about your brand. Now, I am always surprised that I still get pushback about building your personal and professional brand. But the reality is, is brands make us do things. Quite simply, they get people to do more, contribute more, and pay more. Now, I will tell you at every single one of my keynotes or workshops, I open up with the question to the audience asking you what your favorite brand is. Now, I will tell you consistently the number one brand that people mention is Apple. Well, I will tell you I am an Apple fan too. In fact, just like so many of you, this last week I got my brand new iPhone 14 Pro. Now, here is what blows my mind about the power of brands and a brand like Apple. In a world where our malls are closing because they have empty storefronts and our brick and mortar stores can't seem to be able to run a feasible business right now. 
Apple has people lined up outside of their brick and mortar Apple stores. That's right. I cannot believe that my Facebook feed was filled with people that I know waiting in line to get their new iPhone last Friday. Now, I will have to admit, I am a serial procrastinator. So I'm usually one of those folks that lines up at the store, right? But this year, I decided, you know what? I'm going to upgrade and do that all online before. And I got my iPhone 14 Pro on Friday sent to me. But here's the deal. It is all about the experience that Apple is creating that drives people to wait in line, that drives people to click through and order that phone on the first day. You see, it isn't just that it's easy. Believe me, it is completely super easy, right? I was able to just scan my phone and swap from my old phone to my new phone in probably less than five minutes and then sync my Apple Watch I was raring to go with my new camera. Yes, it's easy. And yes, it's cool. Am I proud to walk around with that new iPhone 14 Pro? Sure, absolutely. But at the end of the day, it's all about relationship. It's how people feel when they walk into that Apple store and they interact with a Apple specialist. And now I was surprised because I was thinking, hmm, well, now I don't know if it feels really cool. I wasn't really fanboying it and waiting in line. And then I get an email notification from Apple saying, hey, your iPhone's in the mail. It's coming to you. Go ahead and book a session with one of our specialists virtually. So guess what? They're even recreating that in-store experience for those of us who have shopped online. So the question for me is really, what is it that you are doing to be consistent about your brand and create an experience that is driving people to be your super fan? Now, when I talk about your brand, I always say, look, are you a boring old commodity like coffee or are you a super premium? brand like Starbucks. That's right, because people line up for Starbucks just like the way they line up for Apple. And guess what? No one is complaining about the price for either of those products. So my challenge to you is for you to get hyper-focused on your brand and leverage the lead with your brand system, which is really taking a brand marketer's toolkit and flipping it on its head so you can create your own personal and professional brand. Make sure that you go to lead with yourbrand.com so you can download our five tips to lead with your brand. Well, let's get into our amazing guest today. It is Daniela Pierre Bravo. Now, I will tell you, I met Daniela many years ago when I was working at NBC Universal because I had really put my hand out there, raised my hand to participate in a great program called Know Your Value by the amazing reporter Mika Brzezinski, who is the co-host of Morning Joe. Now, many of you know that Mika wrote a amazing book called Know Your Value that is all about helping women find their value, negotiate, and find pay equity in the workplace. Well, I raised my hand to help out with different things as they were building that program, and ultimately, I had a chance to speak and do Lead With Your Brand as part of her Know Your Value tour. It was really the moment that I found my value and realized that I could go out and be a professional 
speaker and trainer out owning my own business as an entrepreneur. Well, along that trip, I met Daniela Pierre Bravo, who is a New York City-based reporter for MSNBC's Morning Joe, because she is also a best-selling author, a speaker, contributor, and a producer for NBC's Know Your Value platform. Now, she's a former Cosmopolitan magazine columnist, and she has written on career advice, mental health, and financial wellness with an emphasis on women of color. Her work has been featured on The Today Show, Telemundo, Forbes, Cosmopolitan, Refinery29, New York Magazine, and more. Now, she is the co-author of Earn It alongside Mika Brzezinski, and her first solo book, The Other, How to Own Your Power at Work as a Woman of Color, hit bookstores last month. Daniela spent many years undocumented and in the shadows as an immigrant from Chile, working odd jobs to pay her way through school. Like many other women of color, immigrants, and children of immigrants, she became an expert shapeshifter in order to chameleon her way around professional environments that felt out of reach. When Daniela became a DACA recipient, she finally felt that she had made it, rising through the ranks in her career. But she quickly realized that no matter how much success she achieved, she always felt that she had to prove her worth as the other. In the book, The Other, Daniela shares her journey and those of other women to help you recognize your power through your own eyes instead of the traditional white gaze in the workplace. We'll be back in just a few moments with Daniela Pierre Bravo. For over 25 years, Jason has coached, trained, and developed thousands of leaders and executives, helping them achieve their next career breakthrough. He's a featured speaker at global conferences and companies to help everyone bring their best authentic self to work, show their value, and lead with their brand every day. Get more tips and tools at leadwithyourbrand.com. We are back. I have another amazing guest. It is Daniela Pierre Bravo. Daniela, what is going on today? Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you. It's been a while. I know it's been a minute and I'm so excited because you have so much going on. But Daniela, tell me first, when you are networking and meeting people, tell me how you introduce yourself to people so they know who you are and what it is that you do. (laughs) It's funny because... I, I talk about this in the book. I am many things that probably don't make sense to a lot of people. And so, um, you know, I, I'm a content creator. I'm a, I'm a storyteller. I'm a journalist. I'm an author. Um, and it, you know, I, I try to, I, I do this thing in my, in my, um, mentorship community where we do this exercise about introducing yourself to people. And I always say, what do you do? How you do it and who you do it for? Because especially Ah. for people like us who don't have clear defined roles and you're doing everything. Um, you want to make sure that people know what you do, how you do it and who you do it for. Cause oftentimes it's a missed networking opportunity. If you don't put it in that format. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so talk to me about the book. Your second book just came out the other, it's your first solo book. So, so tell us about the book. Yeah. So as you know, my mentor and my, you know, my the per, my sponsor in life and my career life is Nika Brzezinski. And we wrote uh, a book for young women and knowing and growing your value in 2019. And this book is a continuation of 
of those great tips on advocating for yourself and negotiating. But when I was doing the book tour and I had the opportunity to hear back from so many women who have felt othered, uh, who are women of color, who have their own experiences of not belonging. And I wanted to create a space for us to feel understood and to feel seen because oftentimes we do like the five tips on how to negotiate better, the five tips to advocate for yourself better. But for a lot of these women, they are experiencing real systemic and structural inequalities. They have grown up Mm -hmm. um, understanding how to see themselves through the eyes of somebody else. They have been conditioned to find rules of inclusion um, right unwritten rules of inclusion yeah. to belong. And this book sort of chronicles my own story of being undocumented and seeing myself through this like white gaze and assimilating and trying to change. And sort of at the end of the day, as I moved along in my career, I realized that I had fragmented parts of who I was for decades mm. because I was so preoccupied and fitting in and being understood and not causing dissonance. And at the end of the day, it's the same experience that many other women of color experience both in the workplace, but well before them. So it's really a journey that I take the reader through my own story, but also the anecdotes and the experiences of other others, black women, Asian women, Middle Eastern women. So it's a, it's a book, um, from our community, uh, about our community for our community. Wow. Well, congratulations. And, uh, and I can't wait to, to read it. Daniela, thinking back over your career, and I know both of your books are really about career. Take us back. And when you think about some of those big career breakthroughs or how you got to where you are today as, you know, a, a reporter and journalist and, and an author, what were some of those experiences that were really breakthroughs for you? I think the pivot points in my career where it really, you know, it, a moment where it led to something else is when I really got out of my comfort zone. And yeah. I think the two that were like really pivotal. One where was when I was in college and I was still undocumented. I was still paying cash for college because I didn't have access to loans or scholarships. And I was about to graduate. I was semester semester before graduating. And I thought, you know what? I need to be in the city, in a city where I could just be a sponge in my environment, where I could network, where I could find people to, you know, learn from because I was in the middle of Ohio and I really wanted to be a storyteller and to work in media, but it was such a far off goal. So I ended up in my college dorm room. I was like, um, Applying to everywhere in New York City, like <laughs> I was like applying to boutique jewelry agencies, marketing, ad sales, like things that didn't really make sense to me. But anything that was hiring unpaid internships, and I ended up hearing back from um, P Diddy's company, a blue blue flame agency, and because uh, he had a marketing agency for all of his brands, and nobody really knew about it, right? Everybody knows about Sean John, Bad yeah. Boy, but nobody knew about Blue Flame. And it was a small marketing agency and they call me up and they say, you know, we noticed you're local. And the thing is, I made a little white lie on my resume. I said that I lived in New York because I didn't want the hiring managers to make excuses about me. You know, oh, she's not local. Oh, she, you know, she, we'd have to like find her housing and you just know the million things that happen that are easy to discard your resume. So I didn't want that to be, you know, um, something that didn't allow me to be in front of them. 
So I said, yeah, I'll be there. And I, you know, I was still in the cornfields of Ohio. I hang up and I panic, <laughs> first of all, because I don't have a driver's license. I don't have an ID. I can't get on a plane. I can't drive. Um, so I ended up getting on the Bra- a Greyhound bus website. I got on a bus that night, 18 hours from Ohio to New York. And I run into the internship interview <laughs> and I'm like, I you know I have to confess I didn't just come off a subway, but I just wanted you to know how excited and serious I am about this opportunity. The hiring manager looked at me so strangely. She's like, you know, this is unpaid. We could have done this via Skype. (laughs) (laughs) But I wanted to show that sort of sense of like hunger and it worked. Um, But then again, it was an unpaid internship, but it was all about building my narrative and building Mm. the story I wanted to create for myself when I felt like everything around me was so out of my control, because I was still undocumented. Even if I had this unpaid internship, I didn't know what to do with it. I wouldn't know what to do with my, my education because I, I, I couldn't use it. Um, but it's all about that trusting your gut thing and, yeah. um, you know, leaping before you're ready. And I think that was a pivotal moment because that summer, miraculously, DACA came out, mm. which was the, uh, the, the the executive action from President Obama that really changed my life that said, you belong here. You can have an ID, an identity, a work permit. And, you know, thank God I was already there that summer because I had that build. I had built my resume and I had trusted myself that it was for a reason. Yeah. And the, the work permit, I got it in a few months. I applied to the NBC page program after that. I got in somehow. <laughs> I got to <laughs> and go. And then the career kind of escalated from there. Um, but you know, there, I think there were, there, there were other moments after that. Uh, but it was all about getting outside of my comfort zone, advocating for myself before I felt I was ready. And you know, those moments add up. Yeah. Yeah. And so, Daniela, I mean, this is an unpaid uh, internship in New York City, which is feels like probably one of the most expensive places to live. So how did you how did you even make ends meet and still do the internship? My mom always used to say the saying, which is una cosa a la vez, which was uh, which means one thing at a time. Yeah. And it's something that I've always kept, you know, in the in the front of my mind. And I didn't know, like when I was applying for this unpaid internship, I didn't know how I was going to pay for it. I didn't know how I was going to like survive in New York City because it is the, 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 one of the most expensive cities in the world. <laughs> and uh, so I just focused on getting there. So once yeah. I put myself in there, I t- got put all of my savings in, um, you know, a month of living in New York. And then, you know, I hustled. I looked on Craigslist. I went um, with my resume up and down restaurant row, trying to get hired for cash paying jobs. Um, because again, I was undocumented. Um, so I, you know, was a babysitter. I was a pet sitter. I was like walking my, my, I was walking dogs during my, you know, hour lunch breaks at my internships. Um, I worked as a club promoter. I, I had no idea what I was doing. I worked um, at a bar asking people for happy, like free happy hours. And I would get like 25 cents for each name that I put on the list. I mean, just like things that nobody would think of, but you just ask and those things add up. And I hate a lot of $1 pizzas. Uh, (laughs) That is the good thing about New York, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But I made it work little by little. 
Yeah. And so, Daniela, tell us a little bit about uh, about your childhood. And I know so much you you talked a little bit about your mom. Right. And and how she instilled those values. So talk to us a little bit about some of those elements of your childhood and how they really shaped you as uh, as a professional and a leader today. Yeah, I mean, I I um I felt like I did my own therapy writing this book because a lot of things <laughs> up, um, and you know, I, I a lot of it wasn't pretty, um, because that is why you know when we feel like the other, and I certainly felt that way. You know, I have older daughter syndrome. You know, I was you know very type A, and there was a lot of responsibility and burden on your shoulders when you um have been told that you've been given an opportunity to be in this amazing country and you have to make it worth it. You know, nobody told me that outright, but there is a self-imposed pressure on making mm. your parents' sacrifices worth it. Yeah. Um, I grew up, a lo- I, I was, I was re- writing the book now. I, I realized that I grew up like, because we moved so much and I had to kind of chameleon my way into different environments and find rules of inclusion in so many different spaces that I felt lonely. And it took me a long time to realize that. And as I was writing and I was talking to other women who have felt like the other, that was a predominant theme, loneliness. Yeah. And of course, we all have those other qualities where, you know, we're, we're go-getters, we're yes girls, we're hardworking. Like that, we, we know that. We wouldn't be the first if we didn't have those qualities, right? Yeah. Because we're in an environment where we don't know, we don't have anybody that tells us like, this is how you apply to college. This is how you should do it. We don't, some of us are the first ones in our family to have a 401k, right? And so you have to have that grit in you. But some of the other feelings that I found a lot of us have is that sense of loneliness. And the contradicting feelings and emotions you grow up as a ch- child of an immigrant and immigrant yourself and women of color. There's a lot of mixed emotions of how we feel about growing up in a family. A lot of us feel like we don't belong in our, in our own families. Yeah. But, and that's complicated. And it's not so easy to talk about because, you know, I, my mom is my best friend. She is my, like my sister, my best friend, my mom, like I call her every day, you know, but there were some, conflicting emotions. I felt resentment. Mm. I felt confusion. I felt lonely and I felt grateful and I felt an extreme love for her. And they were all bottled up in one place. Mm. Right. And, and I say that because of this experience that I had about being undocumented and not having the answers and not knowing why we were undocumented, but also being so grateful for the opportunity. So how can you how can you feel bad feelings towards somebody who gave you that opportunity? Yeah. And so it's a lot of conflicting emotions. And I think one of the biggest things that I talk about in this book is that, that a lot of women don't understand because it all, it's all connected to our career. It's all connected yeah. to our career because all of these things reinforce that we need to change for our environment. Yeah. So, there's a lot in there. <laughs> this is a whole <laughs> discussion. 
<laughs> yeah. So, so pick up the book, the other. Um, so Daniela, talk to me. You know, you were a world famous NBC universal page, right? You wow. Know? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people around the world know an NBC page, but I, <laughs> I <don't know. laughs> yeah. And, and so how did you move from page, right? Cause a lot of people are part of early career programs. How did you get on morning Joe? And then how did you segue into actually being a reporter for that show? Yeah. So I started out as an NBC page and I worked the way it works is that you interview, you don't, you're not back then. I think the program has changed a little bit, but back then you had to interview for each assignment that you did. And I I worked at Saturday night live and Jimmy Fallon. Those were cool assignments. And then nobody wanted to apply for the assignment that started at three in the morning, (laughs) but I had my assignment prior was clipping um, promo uh, spots I had to watch the full show and like pick pop moments. And I was just enamored by the interaction of that table of Morning Joe, of Mika, Joe, Willie, and these amazing guests, smartest minds in the world. And they would just do TV, morning TV, different than anyone I had ever seen. And I was just so transfixed with that world. So I was one of the only people that applied to that 3am. <laughs> and I was so eager to be there. And I got the assignment and I remember this was like a turning point for me because you know, Mika, you know her, she is like yeah. one of the busiest woman in the world, but she's just so bright and she just does a million things at once. She's got her four hour live show. She's got know your value and you know, she's got a million other things to do. And I remember I'm take, I was backstage on the show. One of my first days there. And this was like a pivotal moment for me because, um, you know, I saw, this was like my first time being behind like a real morning show, like the busyness of it. There was like interns flying around everywhere, makeup artists, guests, and Mika was in the green room. And I go into the green room and I'm so excited because I'm being introduced to her. And she's like, she was very nice to me. And she says, you know, you're going to be the one getting my coffee. And I was like, yes, I'm going to be getting your coffee every morning. I'm so excited. And she goes, good. You better not fuck it up. And obviously everybody laughed. It was a joke, obviously, but you know, Mika, she's very sarcastic and funny. Yeah. But for me, I was like, okay, she's joking, but she's not joking. And <laughs> exactly. I took that to heart. And I, you know, I was still building my value. I was an, I was a page that like, I had to distinguish myself from the revolving door of other people, the production assistants, the coordinators, all of the other people. And so for me, getting that coffee was like my shot at like building trust with Mika. And I remember I was like crazy about that coffee. I was like, the Starbucks people downstairs at 30 Rock hated me. Like Starbucks opened <laughs> at like 4.45 a.m. And I was there every morning at like 4.42 a.m. Just like knocking on the door, asking for that black <laughs> open, so open, open, open. Yeah. And I would get it like a few minutes early the, so that the moment Mika would walk in the door, I would get her that like steaming hot coffee. And every day, like for somebody that like doesn't sleep very much and that coffee is like her, you know, her lifeline, that really set me apart at the, like for the first few months. And it was my way for her to trust me. And that sort of trust built. And all of a sudden I was being asked to staff her at events and she knew that she could count on me. Right. And mm. it started from that coffee. And from there, it wasn't until two years into our um, work together, which 
had been mainly, you know, I was the person that like staffed her sometimes and I would get her coffee and I would style her clothes sometimes, you know, just menial stuff. She didn't know anything about me. No, she shouldn't. Right. Cause I was still building my value. Nobody needed to know about my background. Two years into us working together, we were in South Carolina, um, covering the presidential debates at a, a live show. She was supposed to be in Chattanooga, Tennessee that afternoon. And then back that night, her chief of staff fell sick. She thought of me and I ended up going on the plane with her that day. And it was the first time me and her had a one-on-one together. We had never done, done a one-on-one. And I was like, okay, I'm two years in. This is our only alone time. This is my chance. And I pitched her, I pitched her this idea of a mentorship program that didn't exist, but wow. that I knew that was synergetic to what she was doing, which she had just been building Know Your Value. She had just come off, as you know, a hugely successful first conference. She had written um, a New York Times bestselling book and she cared about helping women know and grow their value. Mm. And from my perspective, I always had that in me. I knew that my trajectory was going to be not just about me, but for the other Latinas who I felt identified with, the other women of color, the other others. I always felt that. And I made her this pitch about getting this um, platform that I wanted to create called Access. I called it on the spot. Like I just made it up on the spot, which is funny because now my mentorship mentorship program is called Acceso, which is Access. Yeah. Um, But I just said, you know, uh, this is what I want to build. And I've, I've, I've seen you grow this amazing platform and I, I would love your opinion. I would love to hear what you think about this. And she's like, well, why do you want to, why do you want to do this platform? And I said, because it's my story. And that is when I opened up about being undocumented, about getting on that bus and all of those things. And she stayed really quiet, asked me a lot of questions and she's like, okay, we finished that plane ride. Nothing came of it. Really. we when, you know, the next day we did the show, a few months passed and I get a phone call from her a few months later. And she said, so we're writing a book together and your story is going to be in it. You know, this is so Mika and <laughs> we're writing together and make a list of everybody that you want to interview and let's do it. And that's how it started. And from there, that book, you know, I was still working on Morning Joe. I was still like climbing up the corporate ladder on myself, but that was yeah. an opportunity to have a platform and to collaborate with somebody. So I went from, you know, getting her coffee to actually collaborating with her. And that really yeah. opened up my own platform, but also um, it allowed me to, you know, uh, grow at Morning Joe as well. Talk to me a little bit about how you manage your relationship with Mika as a sponsor, because everyone is constantly looking for sponsors and champions in, in their, their career. How do you manage that relationship so that you're providing value to her and you're getting the most value in terms of building your brand and your career? You know, I, it's a fine line because, you know, we've worked together for almost nine years and she is the reason why I've been able to escalate so quickly um, she's been in rooms where I haven't been and she's advocated for me. But I think one of the things that I never stopped doing is, as you mentioned, is giving her value, right? Mm. So even when we were like doing the book together, I was still doing the things that I would do for her as a coordinator or as a producer, because I knew that, you know, this was an opportunity for me. But mentorship, and we've written a lot about this, mentorship and sponsorship is a two-way street. Yeah. Right? So I, um, I'm i constantly contributing to her platform. 
Um, and I'm writing about the things that feel uniquely close to me and that I, I, um, you know, I, I write about in my, in my new book and, you know, my, my, my peg is really always women of color, immigrants, children of immigrants, because I know that story very well. And so whether it's a writing for her, for her platform, or, you know, um, even before then, when we were doing the book, like not being afraid to get, you know, doing, doing the hard work, because sometimes you still have to do what you need to do while you're building your value. Right. Yeah. And so, um, she's been fantastic. She's been somebody who, um, not only has mentored me, but has again, sponsored me. And I, um, I try to make sure that, you know, I'm, I'm bringing value to her as well. Um, and I, I try to do that by continuously contributing to her platform and, you know, just, um, treating it as a collaboration. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's certainly amazing and helped me help launch my own, uh, speaking career talking about leading with your, your brand. And that first book, of course, was called Earn It and, and really focused on, on helping millennials in the workplace, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and it was about how to earn, earn your spot at the table. Um, but this book is like, is for women who have already earned their spot at the table and want to learn how to use that seat at the table. Yeah. Um, with all of those complicated, um, feelings and beliefs and sense of self that we have to rewrite because the whole intention of this book is to acknowledge that the same rules of success that allowed us to earn it and allowed us to get ourselves in the door and find that initial success are not going to be the same rules of success that are going to get you even further up the ladder that we have to rewrite those rules because a lot of us have been conditioned to put our head down, do the work and somebody will notice maybe in the first year or two, but nobody's going to notice if you're not, if you're not constantly advocating for yourself. And the other thing is like a lot of us feel so grateful because these opportunities feel so fleeting, like they could, be ripped up from under us at any moment. Yeah. So we hold on to that feeling of gratefulness because mm. we feel that if we ask for more or if we stop be stop being eternally grateful, that we're going to be seen as ungrateful. And God forbid we cause dissonance because that's our greatest <laughs> fear in the world as us, yeah. right? Yeah. And so Daniela, talk to me. How is it that you have found and how do you advise uh other other women and other people, how do you advocate for yourself without coming across as a braggart? Uh, Yeah. I mean, I think first of all, it's, it's, it's rewriting that kind of mentality for us because, you know, in a lot of our communities, we've been told outright by our family, you know, the people that are closest to us that we shouldn't brag about ourselves or we shouldn't, I I actually went on um, on Instagram with my grandma when I was in Chile and I was like, we had this conversation about like, you should be telling people like how great you are. And she's like, how you can't be telling people like how great you are at every moment. (laughs) So it's definitely like a generational thing, but it's also a cultural, cultural thing. Yeah. And um, now, now that we're in a remote work, kind of environment where some of us only see our bosses three times a week, or sometimes many of us don't see our bosses. Yeah. It's so pivotal to keep people informed. I think this is actually an opportunity because there's a disconnect um, person in person to now do it in a way where it's better received, better received from the people that we work with, because 
now it's like a progress report and we get to yeah. do that weekly or biweekly. And it's not just okay, it's necessary. Mm. Um, and, you know, we have to be keeping tabs because, you know, we talk a lot about negotiation. Mika is the queen of, of the negotiation talk. But nobody is going to know, you know, by the time you get to the negotiating table and you're telling everybody about all the amazing things that you're doing, it's too late. Yeah, it's too late. And at the end of the day, it's not personal, right? It, when we talk about bragging about yourself, you're personalizing it, mm. right? When we need to differentiate and understand that this is an exchange of goods. The workplace is an exchange of goods. Mm. People are paying you for a specific skill set, for a specific soft skill, for a specific something that you're giving them. And the bragging has nothing to do with your person, mm. right? It's about bragging about your skill set. It's bragging about that thing that you are exchanging with them. Yeah. And if we think about it that way and we take that kind of persona away, it stops be, it stops being so personal. Yeah. And it starts being about, you know, the work at hand, which is so important. Yeah, great advice there. So, Daniela, let's talk a little bit about your brand, right? Your brand as a leader, as a journalist, as an author. Give me three words that you would use to describe brand Daniela. Oh, I think a storyteller. Mm. Um I want to say the word servant comes up and, and, and the, and the reason why I say that is because I, I, I see my job as serving other people. Yeah. It's no longer about putting my story out there to amplify my platform, but it's really about people, uh, being able to recognize themselves through my story. Mm. Um, and somebody who is a passionate storyteller. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I've realized as I've grown up in my career, it used to be, you know, my, 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 my brand when I started was like scrappy, eager and hungry. And that yeah. was great at the time because people could recognize that. Um, and they gravitated towards it. And that helped me build into what my brand is now, which is, you know, a, a storyteller, a servant and somebody who is just passionate about, you know, having people be reflected and, I think you talk about branding a lot and I, yeah. I love your work. I've loved it for years and I've been such an admirer of the way you've talked about it. And I've learned so much from you. <laughs> um, so it's just an honor to be here with you. But I think um, when we talk about my branding now, it's, 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 it's all about, you know, being a servant to others. And what's great about it is that when you're, when you, when you realize the power of a brand, you can see all of the different vehicles of which you can, exert that brand with. So I can be on TV. I can write books. I can do all of these things that go back to that essence of that brand. And it's still the same thing. Yeah. I think that helps me feel better when I, when I, when I, cause I was worried at the beginning of my career when I was like, Oh, I won't make sense to people. And you know, Oh, I'm, um, you know, nobody's going to take me seriously because I'm doing things outside of news and I'm not going to be seen as that serious news person. Yeah. But I was fitting myself into somebody else's box. That when we when we when we define our own brand and we yeah. make it about our own words and and what we want, then we have more freedom and liberty to actually create what we want and the life we want and the career we want that goes back to that brand in our own way. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and talk to me about when was it that you realized that you needed to evolve from the like scrappy roll up your sleeves, Daniela, into maybe this more polished storyteller, servant, passionate Daniela? Yeah. I think Mika had a, a lot of help with that. But, um, yeah. And actually, that's a really good question because that is the pivot point that I talk about in the book. And it's not easy for us. It's not easy for women of color and it's not easy for people who have felt the other, other, because we are used to being reactive instead of proactive because it's felt safe. We've, we've found a lot of psychological safety, safety and emotional safety by kind of waiting for permission and waiting for people to tell us what to do because we don't want to cause dissonance, right? It's all about that. And for me, I think that the, the, the talk with Nika and that moment of like leaping before I was ready and getting outside of my comfort zone and feeling like incredibly nervous, but at the same time, really acutely aware of my own power, of my own story and my own ability to be a servant, right? Because that's what I am now. Yeah. I knew I, I I felt that and I I used that moment as a pivoting point. And that is really important is like discerning. That's the biggest thing. It's discerning when you built enough value where you can ask for more and where you can pivot and take those leaps. And yeah. I think that was just one, right? So that the 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 talk with Nick on the plane was was one moment. But then there was another, there was, cause I still have a day job. I still have that like, <laughs> like I, at the time I was a coordinating producer yeah. and I had then uh, pitched myself. I, I was then promoted to a booking producer, which was an, on the editorial. Now I was like helping create and, uh, you know, shape what the show looked like the next day because it's a very guest driven show. And I was booking people on the show. So I was there for about five years, but then again, I had discerned, I had that moment of discernment where I've, you know, built enough value in another vein, which was reporting. And the way that I did that is I would just raise my hand and say, because with with booking, I, I've created a lot of contacts with guests and publicists and managers. And I would get interviews with people like Eva Longoria and American Ferreira that wanted to talk about the Latina vote. And I knew that I could do that. And I knew yeah. that I could do it in a play in a way that was nuanced because, you know, it's what it's what I knew. And I raised my hand and I, you know, told my boss, "Hey, I can produce myself. I can. I'm booking them. Can you just put it on Morning Joe?" And I, I I've served it on a platter. And it was it's harder to say it's harder for people to say no when you have like the full product there. Yeah. And I didn't wait for permission, right? So I I would do the interview and say, "Oh, I did this interview." <laughs> Well, when I was at the Forbes, I was I was at the Forbes 30 under 30 event um, in Detroit, and I had um, written about financial wellness for Know Your Value. Nobody had asked me to do that again. I was just pitching myself, but I had done it consistently. I'd been doing it for about a year, and I was asked to to join this panel of financial wellness with a New York Times bestselling author and this CEO, and there was me. But the thing the thing with me is that I. <laughs> I was writing about financial wellness in a way that wasn't really, um, there wasn't a lot of people writing about financial wellness with women of color in the mm. spectrum, right? So I was talking about caretaking. Yeah. I was talking about the responsibility of, you know, being an immigrant and also, you know, uh, learning how to do a 401k the first time. And 
all those things. And so Rena Williams' publicist was in that um, audience that day because she was doing um, uh, the Masters of Ceremonies, Master of Ceremonies the next day. And I got an email from her publicist that night. And she said, hey, we're doing one interview. We know that you, you know, you work for NBC and that you are a reporter. I, she thought I was a reporter because I was writing about these things. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, can you do the interview? Do you want to do the interview? And I'm like, absolutely. But I wasn't a reporter. I was a producer. But I said, <laughs> yes, I found my own crew because I was like, okay, there's cameras here. I said, you know, I talked to Forbes. I was like, can, can we use your cameras? We'll brand the event. It'll be on Morning Joe. And then I call my boss and I'm like, oh, I have Serena Williams. I have the crew lined up. I'll produce myself. Can't you put it on Morning Joe the next day? <laughs> and Lisa was like, of course. And Alex was like, of course, was my boss. And so there was a lot of these moments where I, I, I showed what I wanted to do before I actually had the title while at the same time doing really good job at my day job. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and finally I had enough evidence and enough data to, to pitch myself as a full fledged uh, reporter, which I am now. And so again, it was, it was about leaping before you're ready and getting outside of your comfort zone and not waiting for permission. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I had to get final permission right from my boss, but like (laughs) of doing the thing that you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really great that it's everyone can have ideas, but you were serving up like, these are ideas that are baked, right? The, like this is good stuff. Daniela, as we close out a couple of fun questions, we've been talking about your brand. What, what is your favorite brand? What brands are you obsessed with? I, I love you. I mean, you are just you're amazing. And like I said, I'm a big, I'm a big um, fan of yours and I have been for years. Um, but I also love, you know who I love? I love Kris Jenner. Like she Ooh. is just amazing because she is a walking brand, but she's built brands better than anybody, you know, in our generation. She's just so smart and just, you know what you're getting, right? Yeah. Um, And I just have a lot of respect for somebody who just works hard and is strategic and like can understand what people want and give it to them. Cause that's, you know, that's what branding is all about. So I I love Kris Jenner. Yeah, I mean, literally, she's a brand builder of everyone in her in her. Yeah, I mean, I I can think of like a million other people too, but like she's the first person that comes to mind. Yeah, yeah. Now, Daniela, if you were a type of car, what type of car would you be, and why? I don't drive. That's so funny. (laughs) Um. Wow, I really don't know a lot about cars. I probably what's like a cute like um economic like um what's it called eco friendly car. Oh, see, I know nothing Tesla, about cars like, either. Tesla's too expensive. I'd probably be something like medium price because I don't. I'm not like too fancy. Um, <laughs> just with Tesla, I don't know how they, how how um, how uh, expensive they are, but they're 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 economical. So we'll the the economical version, yeah. right? Yeah. The, um, and and then finally, Daniela, what's the best career advice you'd like to pass on to our listeners? Don't wait for permission. Um, I think. Uh, that has been, uh, you know, one of the things that has really pushed me forward. And, and I think that's all encompassing for, for people like me who have felt like others. We've been so conditioned to wait for permission. We've been so conditioned to be reactive that I think that the reason why it's my number one tip is because I had a lot to do a lot of internal work to feel like I didn't need to do it and I didn't need to wait for permission. But in all of my career 
big pivots, it's because I didn't wait for permission. And I showed people the receipts as, as people would like to say before, you know, before I had a chance to be given the opportunity, I would look for the opportunity, make use of the opportunity before, you know, before, before, before I got that permission from anybody else. Yeah. Well, Danielle up here, bravo. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for being an amazing storyteller, being of service to us and your passion. The book is The Other. Where can people find it? Anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Um, I always like to say uh, I love to support uh, local business, local bookstores. So, um, but Amazon always has it as well. Awesome. Well, Daniela, it was so great reconnecting with you. Yes, it's so good to see you virtually. I hope we can uh, connect in real life soon. Yeah, next time I'm in, in New York. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Of course. And we'll be back in just a few moments with my final thoughts. Are you tired of not being recognized for your work? Are you ready to rise above the rest and accelerate to the next level? The Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program will help you take control of your career, develop your own unique brand, and catapult you to a whole new level of success. You are a top performer, and the Lead With Your Brand Career Breakthrough Mentoring Program is what you need to get you there. Visit leadwithyourbrand.com to learn how. What an amazing conversation with Daniela Pierre Bravo. I cannot wait to dive through her entire book, The Other, How to Own Your Power at Work as a Woman of Color. You know, Daniela shares so many great tips from her career, but what really stood out for me was the whole notion of having grit and having hustle and being consistent, just like those great brands that we know. The bottom line is you are spectacular and you have all of these great values values, and passions that you can add to the world. But you know what? If you don't pound the pavement, if you don't throw your hat in the ring, if you don't raise your hand, you're going to miss the opportunity. Now, what's the worst thing that could happen is, yeah, maybe a door might slam in your face or you might get a no. But if you're sitting there not doing something, those things are never going to come to you. Well, that's our show for today. If you loved what you heard, make sure you're following us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll bring you a brand new show every single Tuesday. And since we're celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month, visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com slash Latinx to hear a showcase of our favorite episodes showcasing and spotlighting Latinx voices. Check us out on social media. I'm at Jason Patria on all platforms. And remember, in your career, don't be that boring old commodity like coffee. Be a super premium brand like Starbucks. You've been listening to Lead With Your Brand, the podcast that explores and uncovers exceptional career success stories and inspiring personal brand journeys with your host, personal branding expert, diversity advocate, and keynote speaker, Jason Patria. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us at leadwithyourbrand.com.